0: So you don't have to be an agent. I just saw like, you know what, this is just something that I want to do, you know, for other reasons too, but it just seemed like a thing to do and so far I've been quite enjoying it.
1: Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey.
2: Hey everybody, it's Sarah Larby here and welcome back to another episode of Where Should I Invest? And today's guest, Lee Strauss, lives in Kitchener, Ontario and Lee is an active real estate investor. He is also a real estate agent and coach and also a full-time firefighter. So he started his journey into real estate investing back in 2002 when he was only 21 years old and his father had a big influence on getting him involved at a very early age which is awesome. And since 2002 he has built his portfolio with a wide range of investment strategies, So. Lee has done some regular buy and hold rentals, rent to owns. He's done some flips, also some student rentals, and some joint venture partnerships. Lee has been an avid speaker at countless real estate events across the GTA, as well as authored many articles in the popular Canadian Real Estate Wealth magazine. Awesome magazine, guys. If you ever want to read up to date information, take a look at that magazine. You can find it in most bookstores. I think Home Depot actually carries it as well. I don't know about Lowe's but Home Depot definitely have seen it there. Lee thoroughly enjoys helping new and experienced investors through the crazy world of real estate investing and he is pursuing joint venture partners ongoing to continue to grow his portfolio and his current target profile right now is single family starter homes in and across the GTA. So if you guys enjoy this podcast. Again, please feel free to rate and review the podcast. I also really enjoy getting your guys' emails, by the way. It's really, really fun. And I like to hear your feedback or what challenges you guys are facing. Or I think some of you guys have emailed me asking for like some questions on my, you know, what I ask my tenants when I'm screening them. Any of that stuff, guys, I'm here to help. So feel free to reach out and also you can take a look i am i don't know when this is going to air yet because i've got a few podcasts in advance but We are going to be starting a group coaching program of the seven steps to the seven figure portfolio and we are going to be going through basically if you're a brand new investor everything that you need to know from scratch to buy your first rental property. So if you guys are interested in learning more about that feel free to go on the website again it is sarahlarby.com or you can email me at sarahlarby.com at sarahlarby.com if you are interested in getting more information about the group coaching. And so I'm really excited to talk to Lee today. And if you guys have any questions for Lee, you can also reach out to him. He'll give you his email and information at the end of the podcast. And now on to our interview. Hey, Lee, welcome to Where Should I Invest? How are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks, Sarah. How are you?
2: Very good. Very good. So Lee, you are a first responder. Correct. Correct. Yes, I am. You work out of Kitchener?
0: Kitchener, yeah, Kitchener Fire Department.
2: Very cool. So tell me a little bit more about yourself.
0: So, yeah, as you mentioned, I am a, a Kitchener firefighter, have been for just under 11 years now. I'm also a real estate investor, and I've actually been doing that for longer. I started doing that when I was 21. So it's been just a bit over 15 years now that I've been in the real estate investing world. And Most recently, I've become a real estate agent and coach with Rockstar Real Estate based at Oakville.
2: Very cool. So 21 is very young to get started. How come you got started so early? Did you have any influence?
0: Yeah, I absolutely did. My dad was quite into rentals and and what he didn't do any flips or anything like that, I guess. I mean, it was a little bit different back then too, but he did a lot of rentals. We had a lot of rentals when I was growing up and I just always remember kind of as a kid going over to houses and picking up the checks because they didn't have e-transfers back then or any of the the automatic withdrawals like we have today but uh, picking up the checks and then obviously when tenants had a problem or when they moved out I would sometimes I guess just or he'd bring me along or I'd take along to go over and kind of just you know do whatever and then as time progressed it just seemed like this is just what you do when you you just own rental properties it's just kind of it was ingrained. So when I was 21, long story short, I went to look at a property with him and then I kind of, kind of lost interest and that was kind of it. And uh, I was away for the weekend with some friends and he called me, he's, he's like, Hey, I think you should buy the house. And it, it was just about as simple as that. I was just like, yeah, you think so? Yep. Okay. And I came home and I put an offer in and I got it. So, and then ever since then, it just makes sense. It's just kind of, it was definitely guidance. If I didn't have his guidance when I was younger, I probably wouldn't at least done it so soon. I I like to think I would have done it at some point, but maybe not so soon. And with that, my son is uh, turning five next week and he's always talking about the other houses. So just today I had him at a property that I'm flipping and just have him like picking up nails or cleaning up or doing this kind of things. It makes him feel good. And he also like kind of gets certain. I want him to have the same kind of ideas and drive that I was given. So I want to make sure that he has that when he grows up too.
2: That's amazing. I mean, it's really nice to see kids as early as five, even understanding what that even means to be a landlord. Or I mean, I'm sure an understanding is maybe an overstatement, but understanding yeah, some yeah. extent, right. Of, you know, let's go to daddy's other house or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty Oh, cool. Totally. Totally. Yeah.
0: We kind of name, like I name each house basically just on the street. So it's like, let's go to the fairway house. Let's go to this house or let's go to that house. And then another cool thing is I also own Strauss Investments, which is like a real estate investment company. And of course, I've got t-shirts made up and naturally I got one made for him. So he loves wearing it. When we go work on the houses or go look at the houses or whatever, he, him and I have our matching shirts, which is super cool. Yeah. He thinks it's really cool, but I think I actually probably think it's even cooler. So it's a lot of fun.
2: (laughs) That's really great. So you do a few different types of real estate investing in terms of strategies. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, for sure. First thing I did, like starting out, was just straight rental, long term buy and hold. So that first house that I bought years ago, I still have. I think that was a good way to do it. It worked out well for me to buy that first property, have the appreciation over the course of the years. Because obviously when I bought my first one, I was in no position to then turn around and buy any more because I put every penny I had into the first one for the down payment to make it happen. But sitting on it then for five years or whatever it was until I bought my next house, it had the natural appreciation from the market going up over that time, the mortgage pay down, there's cash flow which then allowed me to buy another house, which ended up being a fixed repper that I ended up living in. So then again, it's just the snowball gets bigger. So I was able to do that again, but this time I forced depreciation by pretty much renovating the house top to bottom. Before I even sold that house, I was able to pull equity and buy a rent to own and then a student rental and another rent to own and I think another rent to own actually, and then some flips and and so on and so on. So it really just gets the ball rolling just to do something and just make it happen. That's kind of why I always say is just buy something and hang on, just make it work. Yeah, so I do, basically I'm not stuck on any one strategy. It's just whatever works and the right timing. Some obviously rent like long-term buy holds is a fantastic strategy, but it's slow. But I think it's essential to have as part of your portfolio. There's other ways to get faster returns, maybe with different houses, I don't see every house being a being an ideal long-term buy and hold, but some of them are. And those ones, you want to hang on to those ones pretty much forever, I think. But in the meantime, you can do things to generate some income or some more capital to then go buy more rentals. That's kind of how I see it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even for us when we started, like the first one or two were really hard because that is you're scraping your pennies together and you're making those sacrifices and you're using your own money and then – if you buy right and you do the right things, you can refinance some of the properties and buy more. I mean, that's really how, like, myself, like, we got to nine of them. It's not by saving for every single down payment. That would just be impossible. No.
0: Oh, my God. It's a lifetime, right? It'd be a lifetime until you can actually, until you can actually, like, buy nine properties. You're saving, saving, saving. And the whole while while you're saving, you're not living. Let's Like, saving money sucks. It's not fun. Like, spending money is fun. So... like it's nice like to be able to continue to buy properties while you're still living like a nice life
2: absolutely i really think that the sacrifices are short-lived i mean you know maybe it's the first year or two or three and then once you're able to snowball that and refinance property every year and buy another one as an example i mean you don't have to necessarily buy 10 a year but life just becomes completely different
0: change. Yeah, the lifestyle provided, it's not always glamorous. It's not always pretty. And you're starting out, it's a little tough, but it's not really that's like it's not sacrificial. You're not getting by for the most part. If you go buy a rental property, it's, things are tight, but it doesn't last for long. And there's always like a new sense of norm. I think a lot of that kind of stuff is more psychological where it feels like you're, you're tighter than you actually are. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Like you kind of, I don't know if that's a good way to explain it, but when I look back on it, it's like, I was always like, Oh my God. So, you know, I don't like, I I bought this house and it's just crazy and it's so much money and whatever, but nothing like really happened between then and say a two-year span. It was still costing me the same and everything was the same. And I I hadn't refinanced, but it just, it felt good. Like it, it wasn't like, Oh my God, I'm out all this money. I'm just getting by either get used to it or you just kind of adapt to it where it's like, you know what, that's actually not so bad. And then Before you know it, you refi, you buy something else, and it just grows. It just really does.
2: Yeah, it becomes the new normal. Yeah. So, you do a lot of different things. Did your dad teach you about rent to own or flipping, or how did you learn about all that?
0: So, my dad really only did, like, to my knowledge, was like the long term buy and holds. I know he did. So, back in the 80s, there was a big boom, and he did a lot of like the pre build purchases. So, you could literally buy from builders and Sell them before they even broke ground for, you know, 10, 20,000 more, or whatever it was. I know he did a number of those. I know they've kind of, it's not so common anymore with sales. There's a lot of like non consignment clauses that don't allow you to do that. But as far as like, I guess, flips, I kind of learned that probably in a roundabout way from renovating my first property that, sorry, my second property that I lived in. I gained a huge amount of construction knowledge, even to the point where. At one point, I was working with a framing company just to learn. Like, I literally just said, like, I want to find a framing company, like building houses. Not so I can be a framer, so I, know, so I can learn how to build a house, but I want to learn more about building construction. And just, you know, working with the tools and knowing this, and best, like all these kinds of things. So I did that for, it, it was kind of short-lived, but I did it. My father-in-law is actually quite a handy guy. So he was able to show me a lot of things and work with me and teach me a bunch of stuff. On that first property that I renovated and it again it just kind of snowballs I took an interest to it I started a business actually building decks and fences and contracting out other work and doing some work and it just kind of naturally just progressed into hey I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a house because I'm in the real estate too that I can put some work into you know change some simple things, like the first couple of times, some flooring, some paint, this, 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 and either rent it out or sell it. And it just, again, it just kind of grows from there.
2: That's really cool. And I know before we started recording and I said, let's not talk too much about it because I want to have it recorded. We were talking about just contractors and flipping and the headaches that come (laughs) along with it. And you've got two flips currently that you're doing. So what's going on?
0: Yeah. So I'm flipping two properties right now. They're both on the same street in Kitchener. It's uh, kind of interesting. So as I mentioned, I'm, a, I'm an agent with Rockstar and I live in Kitchener, Rockstars in Oakville. So they're, you know we're not close, but I can openly say I would never work for any brokerage but Rockstar. There's hands down, no question. I'm not a fan of real estate agents to put it lightly. And I decided to become one so that I can uh, I can do some of the negotiating, I guess, or the property finding you have different access when you are an agent. So, a Rockstar is a great spot for those people because a lot of the agents are not like agents. There are a lot of active investors doing different things. So, I'm naturally drawn there. But uh, to answer your question, so I became an agent. I started looking really hard to try and find some flip potential properties and uh, came across this first one. And I was thinking, you know, I want to, uh, like, I guess one of my kind of rules that I've come to learn is that. If you're going to flip properties, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Sarah, but if you're going to flip properties in Canada, it's a volume business. You're not going to flip one property and then you're rich. Like you have to like pump these things through. Like you need to do quantity to really, you know, make it worthwhile. You can do one. Some people get lucky and they might make, you know, thirty, forty grand. That's awesome. But, uh, like, to keep it consistent, to build a business, you have to, like, pump these things through. you got to keep finding them. So
2: It becomes a whole other um, job, right? I mean, you're, it does. It does, you're yeah. looking for the deals. And I will say, too, like, they're definitely not as easy to find as, I think, in the U.S. just because they have access to many more wholesalers or
0: auctions
2: yeah, uh, and, yeah, and all that totally. stuff. Yeah, so it's definitely hard because we're, like, almost finished one of them. And we're trying to find our next one and we're having a hard time. And that rule of that 70% rule, do you know about that in the U S they have this 70% rule of how they calculate the flips probably
0: heard it, but maybe refresh me.
2: Yeah, no, it's just basically the way that they calculate their profit. And so they'll look at like the after repair value and then they take 70% of that and then they subtract like all of the rental costs and everything else. And that's the purchase price. But oh yeah, Canada, yeah. Okay. that would yeah. be like a really yeah. low purchase price. And it just, I mean, again, like there's always exceptions, but they're just not as yeah. easy to find. And that 70% rule I think applies more in the U.S. So you know, there's a lot of people that are probably listening to like Bigger Pockets, which is like an amazing podcast. It's like one of my favorite. But a lot of this stuff and a lot of the numbers don't really apply in Southern Ontario, anyways. I can speak for Southern Ontario. I don't know about you know everything else, but yeah. there's definitely a difference.
0: No, I totally agree. Yeah, they are out there. That's the thing is that they are out there, and I always knew that they were. I always had such a hard time. Like I almost felt like I was coaching the agents that I was working with to like, okay, this is what I want. Like, can you find it? And then, if we did find something that was suitable, they would never really approach the deal the way that I wanted them to. Mm-hmm. a lot of hesitation, a lot of pushback, and eventually, I just said, "You know what? Like, screw it. I'm going to be an agent and I'm going to do it." And I've had really good success with using my kind of my way of finding the properties, my way of negotiating the purchases. I've been buying them. I mean, as an agent, every house that I've been selling, I've been selling for over list, but the, the amazing part, like as an investor, every house I've been buying has been list. And so I, what's your I, strategy? Oh, well, geez, I can't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just being able to find, like you know, so on the agent side, like on our MLS in quotations kind of thing, like we've got a different version for that's for the agents. You know, I, I punch in different parameters and get very selective with finding certain properties. With how I find certain properties, and then. I'll I'll skim through a thousand before I find one. Like, that's the thing. They're not jumping out at you, but you have to know what you're looking for. And when you do, you can see it. And sometimes, you know, whether it's an estate sale or something like that, those are often a good bet. But what you, you know, one of my things, I guess one of my secrets is I look for ones that have been sitting in the market for longer than normal because clearly, you know, that there's something either it's priced too high, the sellers, if it's family, can't agree on a price. Whatever it is. And sooner or later, I just wear them down because they're tired of holding the property. Enough's enough. And here's the offer. Take it or leave it. Because there's no emotion, right? You know that. It's all numbers. (laughs) It's all business. This is the price I'll give you. Take it or leave it. No? Okay. Well, you know what? I'll give you an offer next week for the same. (laughs) And, you know, or less, which is like super cool. But eventually you get it. I mean, they're agreeing to sell. I'm not you're not forcing anybody to do anything. It's just nobody else is buying it. Here's my offer. Like, do you want it? There's no conditions. Here it is. Right. So that's one of my things. I mean, being an agent, I can put out for a while there, I was putting out two, three offers a day.
2: Yeah. Because I
0: can, because it's just faster, right? I can put the other I can send it. I don't have to go through somebody else. So that was a big thing for me, was, was to become an agent so that I can have access and do my own negotiating because I'm I like doing that part.
2: How many houses or properties do you buy in a given year for whatever strategy?
0: Wow, there's no real number. It might be like, I mean, if you're busy for, for one year, like, for example, we have, we have two kids. So obviously on certain years, like when they're born and such, it's busier. So I'm not going to be looking to buy five houses. It's just going to be kind of it's a lot of timing too, right? Is if the capital is ready or if I've got investors that are ready to go and the opportunity is there, let's take them until there isn't any more we'll take as many as we can and then if, if it dries up for a bit you shift gears you find a different strategy you might kind of uh, pull back for a little bit and, and kind of you know work on some other things and then you come back
2: absolutely so there's
0: no real yeah there's no real number that I try to hit or, or feel that I have to hit it's just as many as possible I guess really
2: so <laughs> uh, I guess where I was going with this is I just want to get like maybe a ratio so let's just say you buy like one property let's just say for example you buy one property how many offers would you have put in prior for other properties? Oh, gotcha. You-
0: I see. I see. Sorry. Yeah, maybe uh, 20 to 50, Offers maybe?
2: for one property that's yeah. closed? Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I mean, it's different for, I guess it's different for me because I might throw offers like all time, like where an investor that is working with an agent, it's that's not realistic. It's just not because the agent's just not going to want it. Like that's just you, a conventional agent is going to be like, no way. Like, I'm not putting in 20 offers and or 50 offers or whatever it is because you're putting in offers all the time. And you just, you know, you'll even put them in and you know it's already a no. But you're putting in anyways to start the conversation. That's kind of how I look at it. I mean, it's, you don't have to be an agent to do this stuff. You're not. I don't say. No. You're not right. No. no. I'm not. And you're doing. I mean, you're you're crushing it. So you don't have to be an agent. I just saw like you Know what this is, just something that I want to do, you know, for other reasons too. But it just seemed like a thing to do, and so far I've been quite enjoying it. And uh, I've been doing very good, like very well with it. So I'm happy I made that change. But it has allowed me some different access that I was always kind of looking for.
2: Absolutely. When I was looking at just options, and you know, should I be an agent one day or not? And I've decided not to, maybe for different reasons, but I think it is great if you're going to be putting in so many offers that you're a, you know, the other thing too is if you're asking an agent to do that agent could develop like a low ball reputation or something yeah, where yeah. you know he might not want to carry that reputation with him. So at least, and then you can let yourself into like any property at any time you have access totally. to everything. Like you have access to the comparables. Yep. You probably have some pocket totally. deals. I, like yeah, so there's definitely I, a lot of pros for sure. Yeah. You know, the amount of, I mean, if you're just buying one house, a year, like I don't know if it's worth it, but if you're like planning on buying multiples and you've got some joint venture partners or any of that right stuff, it'd be- right.
0: Yeah. I mean the caveat to the whole thing is it's like again it comes back to your goal. If you're looking to flip properties, like if, if we're talking about flips, that's when you're putting in all these offers because you're looking for a deal, right? Mm-hmm. If you're looking to buy a long term buy and hold, really it doesn't matter what you like just pay a list for it and be done with it. You know what I mean? Or rent own. You don't have to find deals you know, if you get a couple thousand off, you feel good, pat yourself on the back. But in the end, it doesn't make a difference, like in that sense, because you're holding it for 10, 15 years. It doesn't matter if you paid five thousand more, five thousand less. It's an irrelevant point. If you're flipping it and your margins are tight, obviously you're looking to buy at the best deal possible with you know distressed property, all these other taglines that you look for. But again, it comes down to your goal. So if your goal is to flip, that's what you're looking for. If you're looking at rent to own launch or buy and holds those kinds of things doesn't matter. Just play honestly. When I'm looking for those list price, I'm fine with it. I'm not trying to lowball, undercut, nothing. It's just you know, here's list. Okay, here you go. Let's do it. Because yeah. it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, no, it makes sense. So are you yeah. ever looking? Because one of the things that I like to do once in a while, or ask my realtor to pull for me, are lists of any expired listings in the last two years or three years. Do you ever look through those?
0: I do sometimes. Yep. A lot of them, a lot of, in my experience, a lot of the ones that I've found that are expired is because they were just asking way too much, especially in the last couple of years, because it's been so active and such a hot market. People like to go fishing and they'll put a crazy number on it and go, holy, if we get it, we'll take it. But they're not really interested in selling, right?
1: Where should I invest? With your host, Sarah Larvey. We'll be right back.
2: Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment and pause the podcast interview here because I wanted to introduce you to Dahlia Barsoom of Streetwise Mortgages. I am a big believer, as you guys probably have heard, work with a mortgage broker. They are going to help you scale. And when I was first growing in real estate investing and looking to buying my second property and my third property, I was going directly to the bank then. I hadn't met Dahlia yet. And I actually was hitting a roadblock when it came to financing because the bank started asking me for 25% as the down payment. And then for my third property, they wanted 35%. And it was really, really hard for me to A, understand why it was creeping up like that. And B, I didn't have 35% to put down. I had 20%. And luckily, I actually met Dahlia at that point in time, and Dahlia is actually an investor herself, and she works with many, many investors, and she knows all the pitfalls and the barriers that normally come up with dealing directly with a bank and all the different lenders, and Dahlia was actually able to not just find me proper alternatives but I've got nine properties now and I'm still able to get financing with A lenders and it allows me to be able to scale up without hitting the financing wall. And so she's been a tremendous help. So the other thing I really, really enjoy is Dahlia also does a free goals analysis. So if you go to either my website or her website, streetwisemortgages.com, mention the podcast and ask for the free goals analysis, it was a game changer for me and it allowed me to actually understand what I needed to do, how many properties I was gonna get because of the cash flow that I was looking for. If you guys wanted to reach out to Dahlia, you can reach out to her by email which is info at streetwisemortgages.com or you can actually reach out to her on the website at streetwisemortgages.com and then just go to the contact section and you can also call her at 1-800-208 Six, two, five, five. Thanks for listening and back to the show.
1: Back to the show. Where should I invest? Real estate investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey.
2: Right. So are you in Kitchener? Like, are you looking in Kitchener? Are you looking in other areas as well? Yeah, I'll look
0: anywhere. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is the title of this podcast, is it where should I buy or something like that? Or where to invest?
2: Yeah, it's called Where Should I Invest? Right? Yeah. Originally, there right. was more of a focus on regions. And then I realized that, you know, if somebody's not interested in Milton, they may not listen to the Milton episode as an example. Right. Yet there is like yeah. strategies. Yeah. And so I kind of broadened it right. and kept the title. No,
0: that's good. Because what I was going to say is that's the secret answer, right? Where should I invest? Everybody's all, you know, keeping it close to their chest or, oh, I think this, this <laughs> place here, this, this, this. You know what? This is my answer. It doesn't matter invest just buy something with of course the exception that it has to be you know don't buy something in like yeah, sarnia or yeah yeah like buy something you know in in any of the cities that we're located you know we're in the southern ontario area the, the golden horseshoe the, the gta just buy it it doesn't matter like the appreciation is happening or it's coming if you're buying it in the middle of some you know as you're driving and you blink, it's gone. Like there's, you know, it's it's not a, it's not the best idea. I could be willing to bet that even if you did buy there, you'd be able to rent the property. Like in some little farm town, I can almost guarantee you to rent the property. But to better your odds of a successful investment, you're gonna want to buy in one of the the areas that have multiple draws, like your Brantford, Hamilton, Kitchener, Cambridge, Guelph, like all these places that have reasons to be there and they have population and they have transportation and they have this, they have that. Yeah. That's kind of more, doesn't matter. Just buy it. Like Just buy something and make it work.
2: Yeah. I mean, the fundamentals are really important. And I do talk a lot about that on the podcast. I mean, you want to make sure that you're not buying in a place that has even, you know, one major employer or population decreases and You know, so that part is definitely important. But I think, like, in southern Ontario, again, I can't speak for the Maritimes or other places, but, you know, because of all the immigration and the immigration that we get here, like you said, if you (laughs) buy in, you know, any proximity to, like, two and a half hours from, I would say, the GTA, give or take, I think you're pretty okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm willing to bet. It's it's a safe bet. It's going to work. And that's the thing, too, is people get caught up in the, the like, what's the best option? It's like again, it doesn't matter. Like you're not you know, it's like that's where I do some so I do some like personal consulting as well, where it's like, okay, fair enough. What are your goals? Like, do you wanna flip a property? Do you want to buy it and hold it and pass it down to your kids? Like, what do you want to do? The answers are the questions are so vague and everybody's running around splitting off answers, but it's like, well, what is your goal? And then let's figure out where are you gonna buy and what kind of property you're gonna buy. Yeah, I think if
2: people get so concerned about everybody else and everyone doing different things and they get so confused and then it's just like all this analysis and it's all this paralysis and then all of a sudden it's 10 years later and they haven't done anything but learn, right? So I look at flippers that do amazing. I look at some flippers that, you know, are struggling or buy and hold the same thing or rent to own. Like there's going to be really successful people in any strategy, just like there's going to be people that tried a certain strategy and it wasn't for them or they didn't do as well. So, you know, just like anything in life. I mean, there's money to be made in any type of real estate and there's money to be lost in any type of real estate.
0: Yeah. But the big secret is if you don't do anything, you won't (laughs) make any. (laughs) Yeah. I always um you know, I like to use analogies whenever I can. So you know, one of the common ones that I use is like it's like I look at it like or I like to explain it to people as like working out or like the gym or like weight loss, like just basically health and fitness kind of thing. Everybody, like I mean everybody knows about the Atkins diet or Weight Watchers or, you know, low carb or keto or paleo or this or this or this, or even different, you know, CrossFit or there's so many things, right? And you see so many people at the gym or or they're on every diet under the sun. And it's like, just like, you know, they're looking for the best. And it's like, you know what, I'm going to give you some, like a secret, pick one and just, do it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. That's the secret. That's all you have to do. So, I tell that to people about real estate. It's just like, you know, because everyone's, oh, flip, rent to own, student rental, multifamily, this, 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 this. What about Hamilton? What about Spring Creek? What about Brantford? What about here? You know what? Toss a coin and buy it already. Like, that's it. You just got to buy it and sit on it or flip it or rent to own it or whatever. And it's going to work. Like, you know, if you do it, if you learn about it, you know, learn enough or have someone like you or me to help them through the way, you know, help them navigate the waters, it's going to work. Like, it's as simple as that, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, like, over time, like, even if it doesn't work, like, what my recommendation would be is just start with something small. Like, don't go ahead and buy, like, a million-dollar property to flip, you know, if it's your first flip as no, an example. No,
0: definitely, yeah, yeah no,
2: no, for sure. <laughs> something, like, that's manageable yeah. that if your flip doesn't go well, then you can hold it and you can rent it and you cash flow as an example. So I'm a big believer in definitely, you know, take action and get started, but... Start with something that if it goes wrong, you're not going bankrupt tomorrow.
0: Definitely, it's yeah. If, if you can, like for example, if somebody's goal is to flip a property, make sure it's a property like in a good area. That if you flip it and then all of a sudden you go to sell it and it doesn't sell, you can still rent it out, or you can have some kind of option. There's got to be some other options there. This is especially when you're starting out. Like we live in our family home and. I've got two flips on the go right now. I'm not going to move into one of them or I'm not going to, there aren't any options. I'm going to flip them and I'm going to sell them. And that's just, that's the end of the end of story, right? It's going to happen. But I've been doing it for 15 right. years, so I know it's going to work. But yeah, if you're starting out, you know, buy something, make sure you got some options. Don't go for like a full gut. Like just try and like, you know, pretty it up a little bit, make some improvements, solve some problems. That's always a big thing. If the layout is crap, just, like, do anything you can to change it simply, especially in the beginning, and then, you know, put it back together and sell it. So that's going to be somebody's, in my opinion, best bet for a beginner to flip something. Yeah. And then they get their, get their feet wet and go, okay, I, I like this, or you know what, it was too stressful, or it's just not for me, or whatever.
2: hmm Absolutely. And so, as yeah. an investor, are you walking through with your clients, you know, how to analyze properties, how to you know, analyze a flip as an example, if they want to buy a flip, like, I mean, I think that you being an investor, you probably have an upper hand and over many other realtors that are just realtors.
0: Oh, absolutely. And you know what, that's one of the reasons I became one when I was starting out, like after I bought my first one, you know, fast forward a few years, I started looking again. And I honest to God, I can't tell you the amount of bad advice I've gotten in the past from realtors and other people where they say oh this is a good house or oh don't buy this one or i, I mean i knew this real estate guy who's an investor and he was a flipper and all all these kinds of things and about 10 years ago probably now he told me you can't flip properties in canada and you know i was younger and i was kind of like oh okay well if he says it like i can't like i i'll just stop thinking about flips cuz i'm not going to go to the states and do it I, you know it just wasn't practical but then the more you go through this it's like Well, that guy's flipping in Canada and it's working. And this girl over here is flipping in Canada and that's working. And then it's like, what the hell? Like such bad advice can derail somebody for years. So it's really important to you know to get the right advice from the right people. I always I'm I'm a big believer in that because I've gotten such bad advice from realtors in the past. And then, you know, everybody thinks, well, they're a realtor, they know real estate. But I was an investor first, and then as the years progressed, and my experience went up. I was like meeting with realtors or asking them questions and thinking, you know what? I don't agree. I don't think this person's right. And I mean, fair enough. If they're not an investor, they don't know to the same kind of you know level or caliber or whatever as an investor might. No. And it's just like, uh, you know what? I think maybe they just don't know. And they're saying they're giving me advice, whether it's yes, buy it or don't buy it or all it needs is this or and then. It was kind of weird how it all came together for me because I was doing this construction stuff and learning about that. And then looking at properties and realtors would say, oh yeah, you know, five grand, that's all it needs. And you know, you can sell it for this. As a beginner, when I was like starting to look, I was thinking, okay, you know, that's not that makes sense. And I'd go home and I'd crunch the numbers and I was like, like five grand, that doesn't even like, it doesn't do anything. Like, what is this person talking about? Where are you getting your materials and who's doing the work? Because it's not going to do it. hmm And then, you know, bad advice. So I'm glad I didn't take that. And basically what I learned is that they don't know. Like they just don't know enough to advise in that way. And some of them do, granted, absolutely some of them do, but some of them don't. That's kind of a a really important thing. I'm sure you've come across that before too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I think I will say that, you know, hopefully everybody, and I say this a lot, but hopefully everybody that listens to this. Uses a realtor that's an investor. It doesn't matter who or what, but as long as they're an investor and they understand. Because, you know, I was actually on my way to the airport last week and I was flying to Ottawa and I took an Uber. And of course, I like to talk about real estate with everybody, but this guy, yeah. he had a condo in Oakville that he was renting and he started renting it in June 1st. So we started talking about it. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, how did you screen your tenants? And, you know, like, how did you? you know, find them or whatever. Like I was just talking and asking him a bunch of questions yeah. and he's like, oh, you know, my realtor found the tenants for me. I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. I'm like, yeah. you know, <laughs> I signed the new standard lease. And he's like, what are you talking about?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it's right?
2: was like, oh, so then it turns out the realtor didn't even sign the right lease with that tenant. And I'm like, well, you might want to ask them maybe potentially to, you know, at least have that information for the next person because they, yeah. Are not all up to date on the information unfortunately right so you know if you guys are listening wondering what I'm talking about is as of April 30th the yep. government in Ontario wants us to all have the same standard lease of course you know talk to your paralegal so you can add your proper clauses that's really important because there's still a lot of stuff missing but that's the new lease so most Realtors unfortunately aren't up to date and some of them are still using their old lease agreements
0: Yeah. It's the old, the area forms and such like that. But, and again, like that right there hits home to me where it's like, depends what are your goals? Like, you know, what's your goal? Is your goal to buy a family home and live in it? Then a realtor, there you go. Like, they're going to be good to advise you on that. But if your goal is to accumulate like a portfolio of properties, like the real, the same realtor that sells, let's just say, I know you're big on millennial stuff. So let's say first time home buyers, you're going to use your parents' realtor. Well, if they're a realtor. A right, like, and they don't have an investor background, they're selling one property to Mr. and Mrs. Smith every 20 years. And if that's your goal, is to buy a house and live in it for 20 years, perfect. But if, if you're wanting to, you know, amass a mass portfolio of, you know, student rentals or rent to owns or whatever, yeah, you know, or flips, whatever it is, a multifamily, it doesn't matter. That realtor better know about that stuff. Like, they should have a portfolio themselves. That's like, I'm a big believer in that, hence why I became one.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Well said. Yeah. Cool. So let's move on to our lightning round questions. So in every podcast, I ask the same five questions to every single guest and you are going to give me the first answer that you can think of. Sounds good.
0: Wow. Very cool. OK. okay. <laughs>
2: and I think this is your first time hearing these. So it'll really be your first. It, one. Is. it is. Yeah. Maybe I should have. Uh, I should listen first, maybe. Um, OK. Question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book ever?
0: Ooh, oh, man. You know what? I would think like I love Think and Grow Rich, but it's not really real estate. It's probably my favorite book. But favorite real estate book would be written by Ian Sable, and it's uh to Riches.
2: Yes, that's a good one.
0: Yeah, very good one.
2: Number two, what's your favorite podcast if you listen to them? I've been
0: listening a lot to the uh, recently. You know what? I don't have a favorite. But I've been listening to the uh, the Tim Ferriss Tribe of Mentors.
1: Yes. The, the
0: regular Tim Ferriss one. I'm not. A, I'm actually not a big fan of. And another one that that's a favorite of mine is the the Rockstar Real Estate one that Tom and Nick put out. It's really good.
2: Yeah, that is a good one. And it's nice too because once in a while they'll switch it up with their naturopath and chiropractor.
0: Totally. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's all over the place. It's like I mean they've got their model with their business uh, is is uh, your life your terms and they love to plug that with like chiropractor, naturopath, you know, pretty much anybody that's doing anything that's going to, you know, better your life. Mm
2: -hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So question number three, what do you do for fun aside from real estate and aside from your job?
0: Oh man. Well, I honestly, real estate is fun to me. So (laughs) I spend a lot of time with that, but aside from that stuff, I spend time with my family. I like to go on family trips, traveling. We did a couple of summer trips already this year. I'd say traveling, but just like simple stuff too, like going fishing, going to the gym, things like that. Just kind of, uh, you know, hanging out. I like to read as well.
2: Okay. Awesome. So number four, if you lost all your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again?
0: That's easy. I would, if I still have my knowledge and my experience, I would right away, I would be partnering with joint ventures and uh, I'd be grinding. There's no question. I would be nose to the ground and I'd be working my ass off to get back to where I am.
2: That's a great answer. Number five, last question. If somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend that they spend it?
0: Well, 50000 it almost seems like it wouldn't. But as prices continue to rise, it's almost not enough for a down payment anymore in a lot of the areas that we're working in. There are ways to buy properties with less than 20%. So, I mean, that's an option would be to find a good mortgage broker and they kind of go hand in hand with a good realtor there is differences and uh, see what you can do as far as utilizing that to buy a property. I think if you had literally 50 grand and you were just trying to start out, again, I guess it depends on their goals. If they're looking to make some faster capital, then they'd want to do a flip if they wanted to. If they're just saying, you know what, I got 50 grand and here it is, I'm going to buy a property and buy a long-term buy and hold and just, just sit on it.
2: Okay. Awesome. So, Lee, how can people get a hold of you if they wanted to reach out and know more about you?
0: Uh, yeah, sure. Well, one of the best ways I would say right now is probably Instagram. So Strauss Investments on Instagram. It's instantly goes right to me. I try and share a lot of good content on Instagram with my current ongoings. Another way is through my investing business, Straussinvestments.com. Currently the website is a little bit under construction. It's not the best way, but I encourage people to go check it out. I've got a lot of my my past articles that I've written and just kind of different media things on there. And lastly, uh, by all means, lee at rockstarbrokerage.com is my work email for Lee Strauss, the realtor. I've got uh, many different hats, it sounds like. So that's how you get a hold of me as a realtor or or personal as well. Uh, Strauss com and stress Investments on Instagram.
2: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, guys, this is an investor that's a realtor. This is the kind of realtor that you want working for you. So do you have a specific area that you cover, Lee, for your realtor territory? You know what?
0: Fortunately, with Rockstar, we are we're privy to a lot of the local boards. So we have access where most realtors, they kind of stick to their home base, and that's fine. But we really do the GTA, the the Golden Horseshoe, not just myself at Rockstar, but a lot of the, the other realtors there. We cover quite a large area and our brokerage puts a lot of effort into market research for all of these different markets, not just the local. Like, for example, I live in Kitchener. We're not just, you know, if I went to a brokerage in Kitchener, it's pretty much Kitchener geared. But Rockstar really focuses on the GTA, the Golden Horseshoe. We've got People doing deals in Windsor all the way to uh, North Bay and Niagara Falls, like all around. Oh, it's wow. very diverse for sure.
2: That's awesome.
0: So yeah, we're not chained to any one area. We like to travel. We go everywhere.
2: Okay, great. Any final or last words of advice or anything else that you would like to let the listeners know about before we close off the interview?
0: Yeah, it's going to be redundant, I think. Not a lot of things I've said already, but I'll try and make it quick. It's really just, like I said, don't think about it too much find like my mantra has always been, even from when I was 21, nice house, nice area without higher than market rent, surprisingly, equals good people. I would say that the tenant selection is probably slightly more important than the property selection. A house has four walls and a roof. People have all kinds of mental, emotional feelings and ways, and it's just houses are easier to deal with than people are. So just buy a house and rent it out if that's what you're looking to do. Or yeah, that's my final advice for sure. Is just do it.
2: Awesome, that's great advice. Thank you so much, Lee, for being on Where Should I Invest, and I really appreciate all your insights. And looking forward to seeing you at the next real estate event, which is actually not called So Right anymore. It's called the Right Club. We are rebranding.
0: Okay, very good.
2: Yes. anyways yeah. so well,
0: thanks for having me, Sarah. Yeah, thanks you're so much.
2: Welcome. You're very welcome, and uh, and thanks for all your knowledge and insights.
0: I'm happy to share it.
2: All right. Awesome.
1: Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larvey. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.